Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and you are watching Gratitude Unfiltered Remixed live on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network, powered by E360 TV. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I'm out of breath. I've been running around like crazy trying to get this new thing set up, and it's not set up yet, but I'm excited about this because, well, our studio is coming together by the grace of God. And uh, I'm grateful for that today. Anyway, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful. Well, I just said what I was grateful for. But I'm grateful for other things, too. I'm grateful for rest. I'm grateful for rest because I've had so much uh, rest this weekend while still being productive. And I've been one of those people that have refused to rest throughout the years. Like I wrestled with taking the, the Sabbath because, you know, I had all this stuff to do. And it really, God put it on my heart, like, well, wait a second, you tithe, I can do more with not your 90%, or wait, am I going to say this right? <laughs> I can do more with your 10% than you can do with your 100 or something like that. Anyway, never mind that expression, I would just butchered it. But the fact is this, it's true, there's something about resting, there's something about taking a break, there's something about being able to step back and go, hey, you know what? I'm not going to do anything today. I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not going to post. I'm not going to do a live. I'm not going to do a broadcast. All these things I had to work out of uh, out of my system because it was one of the most challenging things to do. So I'm grateful for rest because I feel like now I'm refreshed and I'm ready to rock and roll. Hi, wife. Hi. I just want to watch. You. No, it's okay. Um, we're my wife is here. She she would say hi. You want to say hi? <laughs> hold on my wife's gonna say hi now hi so she says hello and um we're about to have an amazing broadcast we have such a terrific i love you know listen my mom i my mom is the biggest influence in my life and i am so blessed to have been able to marry somebody that is i admire and respect like i do my mother um that said one of the reasons why that's significant to me is because for me, women that I understand traditions like traditional roles that people play, traditional gender roles, but there's something to me that I admire probably more so than anything, and that is women that take a stand. For so long, women have been told to, I mean, I know that it's changed a little bit over, over the last 10, 15 years maybe. That said, women are not really put in position uh, the way that I think that they should be. They have not had an equal playing field. And when I see women from any walk of life that's taking a stand and fighting for something, they're going to earn my respect. I don't even have to necessarily agree what they're fighting about, but they're taking it on themselves to go make change in the world. That inspires me. And our guest is, I, I'm going to let her tell it, but what she's done is one of the more challenging things in the world to do. And I want to know how she did it. I don't want to ruin it for you, but you guys are in for a treat. So we will be right back after a quick message.
Unfiltered Remixed. I'm your host, Joshua T. Berglund, and I am freaking excited about today's broadcast. I think it just finally started to hit me a little bit. I'm excited. We've been trying to do this for a while now, and uh, when we first talked, I got a taste of what she was about to go do, but here's the thing. I hear a lot of people say they're going to do a lot of things. <laughs> about 10% actually go do the thing, but very few actually go do the thing and then some. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored uh, to introduce you to our guest, the one, the only, the warrior for justice, the world changer herself, Kaylee Kozak. What's up, Kaylee? How are you? Hey, how are you? Welcome to Gratitude Unfiltered Remixed. I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, before we get into all the what you're up to, what you're doing, what you've done and why, what are you grateful for today? Um, I'm grateful for the beautiful weather in Phoenix today. It's so <laughs> nice out. Um, and I'm grateful for people that are willing and ready to take a stand and fight for things that matter for them. Um, and I feel like they don't get enough acknowledgement and appreciation. So I just want anyone out there to know who's, who's actually doing something that I am grateful for them. Amen. That's very cool. So you, since we've talked last, You've uh, you've changed a law, or you've gotten a law put in place. But before that, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you're about, and lead us into, you know, your your amazing child and what you what you've decided to do, what what you've done. So my name is Kaylee Kozak. Um, I'm really just an everyday person. Um, I am married. I have five kids, so I'm super busy. <laughs> Um, and I have been blessed enough to stay home and raise them. That was so important to my husband and I to have that. And God has just provided everything for us. And that's not to say we haven't had hard times because who hasn't? Um, but for the last 12 years, I've been a stay at home mom. And last year, I kind of thought pre pandemic, I thought that I would, Wait, um, you know, you say what I think you just said. I did. I did. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I thought I thought about going to nursing school. I graduated um, college with an interdisciplinary studies degree in 2019. And I thought, you know what? I'm so young. I, I want something more for when my kids get older. And so I kind of started pursuing nursing school. Um, and uh, in January of 2020, I got a phone call, one that that really changed my life um, that I was not expecting. And after that phone call, God just kind of like rerouted what I'm doing and everything that has happened 
is because of him. There's there's really no other explanation as to the way things have unfolded and that they continue to unfold. It's it's really incredible to be a vessel for this this cause. Explain the cause and what it's all about. Because I didn't I literally didn't suggest anything because I wanted to I have a history of butchering things when I'm repeating <laughs> a third party. So this is so important. I felt the audience should hear it directly from you. Okay. So I'll start um I'll start with the backstory because in order to have full appreciation, I think for what's going on, you have to understand the backstory. Mm -hmm. um, so I am, for, am unfortunately part of the statistic of um, sexual, being sexually abused. I was uh, sexually abused as a young teen. Um, I was 12 and 13 years old. And I, at the age 14, I found the strength and the courage to turn the man who abused me in. Um, and that in itself was hard the no one can prepare you for what comes after you do that uh all the unknown um the almost like the losses that you experience through the process um and and in my my personal situation um i was a i played club soccer um he was my pe teacher and my soccer coach and he was he was someone was that, that kind of deal oh man sorry i didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you i no. just I didn't know that part of it. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, and he was my mom's coworker. Um, you know, in clubs, so any club sport, you're with these people all the time. And then on top of it, school. So I, I couldn't even escape him. Um, and like most victims, it was the, the perpetrator was someone that my family knew and trusted. And that happens way more than people think. And so after I turned him in, my parents, they did their, their best. My parents did everything right for my situation, but they did everything they could to keep my life as normal as possible until they couldn't. Hmm. Um, so I had turned him in and, and things were fine for a little bit. Um, my parents decided to take a plea deal because they didn't want to put me through a trial and praise God for that because the whole experience in itself was traumatic. I can't imagine having to go through, through that part of the process. Um, and I was fortunate enough to where um, I didn't have to go to battle with any of that. Uh, everything kind of unfolded to where I didn't have to um, to go to trial or testify. Um, but he, he did end up pleading guilty. My parents accepted a plea deal. And so he pled down to two counts. And he also pled, he asked, he specifically asked for lifetime probation um, in lieu of extended prison time. And so at the time, my parents had agreed to that because they thought that that was setting me up for the best success for my future. Yeah. And um, it after it all ended, because it just it kind of did after he pled guilty, um, you know, life went on. Life never stops. <laughs> and I just was kind of left to pick up the pieces of what I had been left with. And unfortunately, that was such a that whole experience was like the pre-surface to the trauma that came after my family completely fell apart um wow. and it was very that was traumatic too and then I, I had to stop playing soccer um i couldn't go back to my soccer club because of things that had unfolded through the process that we learned so i hold on back up really quick i don't yeah. mean to interrupt you but no. there's i actually there was like five different things that spoke out to me but i want to go back to your parents because mm -hmm. a lot of times when somebody's molested they don't 
unless if it's of course the family member but there's a lot of that they usually don't know like the parents usually don't find out until much much later it sounds like almost in real time they were aware is that correct no so they um they did not know um and i said I, it was a year um the abuse had stopped because i switched schools and i switched soccer teams huh. and so uh, my freshman year of high school i was watching this video and it was in, in school and it was about grooming and i it just hit me like i knew it was wrong i knew he shouldn't have been doing those things but he had me so convinced that this was different and that it was okay and i didn't i he groomed my entire family and so after i saw that video is when I went and I turned him in. And, and when the school had called my parents, um, they had no idea. Golly. So what was that? Can you talk about what your parents did right about how they handled it and how, if anything you could change, you would change? My parents did everything right. I wow. honestly- what they cannot... do then that was right? So other parents will know. Um, they, they prioritize me, um, and they listen to me and, and I mean a few different things by that. My parents could have ripped me away from the club soccer team and we had that conversation, but that was what I lived for. I, I dreamt of being an Olympic soccer player and going to college on a full ride soccer scholarship. That was, that was everything I ever wanted when I was younger. And, and they said, no, you can stay um, until, unless something happens. And actually, um, the week that he was arrested, we had a uh, soccer tournament. And we showed up to that soccer tournament. And, and a lot of individuals from the club soccer team were wearing shirts that said, we support our coach. <laughs> and my parents yeah. said, do you want to leave? And I said, no, I didn't. I just wanted to play the game. Wow. You played the game, right? Yeah. So I ended up staying with the soccer team and playing um, until um, the um, people who were high up in the club and the organization ended up bailing him out of jail. And at that point, my parents said, we're done. How, how, how many years ago was this? Um, when he was turned in? Yeah. Or when I, uh, 2000, I believe it was 2006. So this is really not that long ago that this is happening. I just can't even wrap my head around the people that were wearing t-shirts supporting the coach. Mm -hmm. Is this just how dumb or naive society has been? Or what do you think? Or how did you even feel about that? Seeing people wearing t-shirts in support of, of your abuser. So it's funny because they, you hear a lot about, uh, you know, when you're going through trauma, mental block. Yeah. And so I don't remember that so much. Um, what I remember more of during that time was, you know, they said, oh, we won't, we won't um, reveal who she is. They might as well have said my name. They said what schools I attended in the past and was currently attending, which team I was on. Um, thank God social media wasn't a thing like it is now. Um, but I, 
I, I had, had so much taken away from me. I just wanted to play soccer. I mean, when I tell you that was, that was really everything that I lived for. I just could zone out and that was my game. I loved it. Um, and so that, that wasn't so much for me as, um, I remember I actually printed them. It's funny. And I found them not that long ago, but like Yahoo was like the thing at the time. And people, that's where people commented and reading some of these comments. Um, and then again, I didn't know this at the time, but reading the testimonies, the people who testified on his behalf, um, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of gut wrenching more than anything. So I can't imagine. Let me, can I ask you, I want to like, for the, cause there's so much with you that <laughs> there's a lot. So I don't want to spend too much time on any certain area, but mm -hmm. have you been able to forgive him? I have. Yeah. What was that like for you and when, and can you describe the process of forgiveness for you? Yeah. So this is a, an interesting actually. So this will be the first time I've ever talked about this. Um, and maybe we should come back to it and I should start with the phone call that I got. Go ahead. So don't let me forget though, because I'll try, I'll try. I, I, I have an audience here. So hopefully they're not drinking wine. Like I thought they were going to be doing, <laughs> but, um, my audience won't let me forget. So anyway, go ahead. so, um, last January, as I had mentioned, I received a phone call. Now, again, my parents did everything right just to, to end that. Um, and my parents did opt into victim rights for me. So I was supposed to be notified of everything that was going on with him. And I never, ever once was notified about anything in regards to him. And until January of last year, my mom called me. And it was funny because I just knew when my phone rang. And I talked to my mom three times a day, but I knew something was wrong. And she said, Hey, the Arizona department of probation is looking for you. And I was like, what, what? And she said, um, yeah, they are, they're calling about, um, him and they want to get in touch with you. And I said, why? And she said, I, I'm not sure. So I ended up talking to his probation officer the next day and she was calling to inform me that he was motioning for early termination for his, from his two terms of lifetime probation. And that she was talking to me as if I was a friend. Um, I don't, she was not thinking that she was talking to a victim, his victim of all things. Yeah. She said, oh, he's been so good. He's done everything he's supposed to do. There's no reason for him to be on probation anymore. We're just, he's been on great behavior. We're gonna, we're gonna, it's, it's likely gonna be terminated. And I just fell to my knees. I, I couldn't even breathe. It's been, it had been 14 years since I was ever notified about anything. And then I learned this. So um, I, it took me a little bit to process that. And I started asking questions. And, and within that week, I had said, you know, can I, can I get a restraining order if, if this is gone? And she's like, oh, of course you can. So as I had mentioned, God's kind of, you know, he's not kind of, he has been putting things just in line. Yeah. So my mom's coworker's oh. sister as a sex crimes detective. So I start talking to her and I said, you know, can I get a restraining order? And she's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. So then of course I pull out my file. That's this thick to start looking at back at everything and everything's public. So we get on to look and 
he's not coming up on the public registry for a registered sex offender. So I start asking questions about that and thinking, well, this is going to be over before it even starts because he has to register as a public sex offender. He's not coming up on the public registry. So I learned that level one sex offenders do not come up on the public registry and um, they do on the police side, but not on the public registry. And then I learned that I, in fact, I could not get a restraining order. Yeah. And when I asked why, they said I, because I wasn't in current danger. And I said, okay, so if, if his probation goes away, what is in place for my protection? Nothing. I said, are you sure? We're sure there's no protection that comes after probation is terminated. And my exact words were, that's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I would say. So um, it was, everybody was a, as much disbelief as I was. Just as if this, this had surfaced and no one had thought about it. Like there was an assumption that there's always continue, or there, there's just always protection, that it's there. When in fact, by law, it is not there. So, um, you know, I spent a few weeks um, before his um, appeal, his, his motion that he had to, to uh, lift his lifetime pr uh, probation. And I spent a few weeks just doing some and investigating and learning things. And um, I was so focused on the fact that there was no protection for me if his probation went away. And I started very specifically praying for God to just help me see what was most important in this situation. Yeah. And I was going through all different kinds of emotions. Um, you know, going back to my trauma, the wound was ripped open, salt was poured in. I was looking at it now from an, at the perspective of an adult, of a parent. My oldest daughter is the same age that I was when the abuse started. And I started thinking about that. And just the 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 amount of emotion it's it's unexplainable it really is but i i could not believe there was no the protection thing just boggled me mm. and so i one one day i'd be like i'm going i'm going to i'm gonna go appeal his motion i deserve to be heard i was never heard and the next day i would say i'm not going he doesn't get any more of my time he already took part of my life and then i'd say i'm going i have to be a voice and fight for others and then I'd say, I'm not going, I don't need this right now. <laughs> so it wasn't until the night before his court date, the prosecuting attorney called me and she said, I'm going to talk to you as if you know nothing. I said, please do, because I don't. And she explained everything to me. And I thought, you know what? I have to go. If I don't go and he gets off probation, I will never forgive myself for not trying. But if I go, at least I can say I tried. And so I, um, it's funny because I was trying to write a statement and I couldn't, I, I couldn't write. Nothing was, nothing sounded right. Nothing was making sense. I couldn't do it. And I had called one of my friends and talked to her. She's got a great organization. And she said, then don't just be, just, just be. And I thought, you know what? She's right. And I prayed for God to just join me in that moment and help me just be. And he did. I slept fine that night. Hmm. I woke up fine. And I told my husband, I said, I just don't want to talk. Just, I just want to be like, leave me alone. <laughs> Not that he was bothering me, but I just needed to be 
in my own space. Sure. Um, and so the next day we, or that, that day we drove down to court and um, you want to talk about a very uncomfortable situation. <laughs> Every third uh, Friday, again, pre-pandemic of the month, the sex offenders all get to go in motion um, for their probation to be terminated. And so I had to go stand oh, in a court person. full of sex offenders and testify. How, and, what did that feel like, by the way? Because it's kind of like, I don't know, somebody with a flesh wound going and diving in to a pool, a pool of sharks. Like, what, 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 what was that like? Um, very awkward is the only way I know. I am very, very awkward. Um, you know, you get off the elevator and everyone's waiting in the lobby and you, yeah. you know, it's not like you're walking into a lobby and you don't know what's going on. You know, you're walking into a lobby full of sex offenders. Yeah. And I just, my husband, I mean, I was like standing up against his back with sunglasses on head down and we just walked because I didn't want to look, I didn't want to see anybody. And we went into this room in the back and I told everybody, I said, you can talk. I, I just, just don't talk to me. Like, I don't mind, you know, them talking. Um, and the sex crimes detective who I ended up connecting and now she sits on the board for our organization. She asked my mom, because for her, this is like 15 years in the future, like getting a look at the future. And she asked my mom, she said, had you known we would be here in this moment and that the lifetime term, lifetime probation could be terminated, would you have ever agreed? And my mom said, absolutely not. We were told a lifetime, not 15 years, a lifetime. So, and then you want to talk about defeating the first three sex offenders that got up had their probation terminated. <clears throat> God, I mean, it's hard to find words. Well, yeah, just because I'm sitting here thinking through my own process of being molested. Like I, your situation was, is you were a predator came after you. I can't really say that the people that molested me were predators, except for the fact that what they did was wrong, but I can't look at it like that like it, it was some e I, again it was wrong it's just a completely different feeling so I, i'm trying to put myself where you're at and hearing that that's gotta be really deflating and or just knowing that there's going to, like they can get rid of probation because even thinking the non again i this is probably really weird to say like is and i was molested several times but it's just, I don't, I never got the feeling that they were really trying to hurt me. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That said, had there been charges filed and all of that stuff, like, I can't even imagine going, what do you mean probation's off? Because that thing that makes you do those things, those bad things, doesn't just go away because you serve time or you were on probation for 10 years or 15 or 20. It's an evil freaking spirit that's in somebody that causes them to do these things. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. In my opinion. That said, probation being gone, I, I would be terrified. And then knowing imagine. that once that's gone, there's no protection. 
th that's it. Your, your direct protection falls within the terms of their probation. It is, was, all or nothing. Wow. Why is that the case? Well, look, other than the fact that I know, like, on the, the, the trafficking side of things, I'm pretty familiar with, like, the, 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 that system and the people that are involved. I have an answer for that. But sexual assault victims and people that are predator and preying on kids, I don't know how the, the rules just not you go to jail. Like, I, I pr pretty much believe in capital punishment at that point. Like what happened to you wasn't right. And that's, I'm 42 years old. I'm six foot two, 240 pounds. I'm a menacing mother trucker when I need to be. That said, I wasn't comfortable being around other men. The first man I was ever comfortable being around, I think you know him, Jason Cisneros. It was like two and a half, three years ago. Three years ago, I'm 42. Like, and I didn't feel safe. How How is that? So I can't imagine... I'm only using, only saying all that to go, I can't imagine how you would feel. This yeah, is your predator. I mean, mm -hmm. and you're seeing him. So let me ask you something. How did that affect your relationships? Like when you, you know, your love relationships, dating, when you fell in love, like how did that impact your life, your, your romantic life? Um... I, I've never, I don't, it really didn't. Um, and maybe that's because, um, I have been with my husband for almost 15 years. I don't even know anyone that's like me for 15 years. <laughs> I mean, 15. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. We met, we met not long after all this had ended. Um, and, um, we've, we've almost been married for 10 years, but, and, and then we got pregnant. I got pregnant when I was 17. And so I, I don't know if I never just had time to heal. And then him and I have just grown together. Um, and I've just, I've just been with him for so long. Um, I mean, cause he can't, I mean, he was in the picture not long after all this had ended. Listen, I wish I could have, I, I no, I have no regrets, none, because I love what I, I love everything about my life now. So I have zero regrets ever. But there's been times like I'm, I'm, I'm like Jessica and I's relationship now. We were both completely healed before God brought us together. But I, I did a lot of healing to be able to have to go into the relationship and the same with her. But we've this the our two years together. Golly, it's been two years. Almost, oh, actually over two years now. We've we've helped heal each other and heal parts of us that I never knew a yeah. needed to be healed or could be healed. So there's something to say about, you know, you were fortunate because if the roles were reversed and said you not met your husband and you just started dating and you carried, forgive the term baggage, because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not judging because I got, you know, plenty. Um, so it's not a judgmental statement. I just can't think of another word. It's like when you bring that baggage into a relationship and then it say it doesn't go well and, you know, now all of a sudden you've got more baggage. And you go to the next relationship. Very few people take the time to heal before they go into the next relationship. So therefore, all the garbage and the BS gets carried over to the next place that you go. So what a blessing that is that you didn't have to go through all that extra bull crap. Instead, you and your husband just 
heal each other. Yeah. It's kind of beautiful. It's very romantic, actually. <laughs> it is. I'm very lucky to have him. And he's, you know, it's interesting because he's been an inside outsider throughout this process. I don't know how else to say it, you know, because he, I mean, I can't imagine how he felt walking into that courtroom and seeing this man. And he did. And I'll be damned if we didn't walk down the same aisle because why would it happen any other way? <laughs> and, um, you know, and so I know that made him uncomfortable and, and, and he has his own emotions too. And then, like I said, our oldest daughter is the same age that I was. It's just a lot to process. And um, we talk a lot though. And, you know, we do the whole 75 hard thing. <laughs> so we walk, talk all the time. But um, <laughs> I'm very, very lucky to have him. So, um, but in that court, back to the forgiveness thing. Yeah. In court that day, um, I was never able to write anything. I just got up and I spoke from my heart. And there was not one dry eye in that courtroom. Not one. Hmm. And I, um, I couldn't tell you everything I said because I, it was like a movie. Everything was like, wah, 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 wah. And I just spoke. Every time I do that, sh this show, it's the same thing. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember the judge talking to me and I don't remember anything that she said. And I was, I was almost like in a trance. Um, I just remember a grown man in the back corner sobbing. Like I remember hearing him, like hard sobbing. Um, and I, I do know that I said a few things in my testimony and I have my testimony. I haven't opened it yet because I'm not ready. Um, I'll open it when, when it feels right, but I'm not ready. But I do know that I brought up that if his proba uh, probation was terminated, I would be left with no protection. And I have a problem with that, but that I can't carry the weight of what he has done or what he may or may not do. I can't carry that weight. God, God doesn't want me to carry that weight. No. And that I have forgiven him. I forgave him a long time ago for what he did to me. And the weight that comes off of you, that forgiveness, that's for you. That is between you and God. True. And I just can't, that I'm telling you, the fact that I have been able to forgive him, truly forgive him, is why I have the strength to do everything that I'm doing right now. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Are you grateful you were raped? I wasn't raped. Oh, what would you call that? I, mean, I that was sexually be... abused. What's the difference? Lots of difference. I wasn't raped. Thank God. Okay. All right. Either. Okay. It was damaging. So were you grateful that you were sexually abused? I'm grateful that God knew what he was doing. a weird question to ask a woman, by it the way. Is. I understand, I'm, but I'm going somewhere with it. Yes. It makes me very sad that I ever had to experience that. It makes me sad that anybody does. And I used to wonder, why did this happen to me? Why me? And now I know. God knew he has known this whole time because of what I am doing right now. Had I not been through what I had been through, I would not be able to stand for what I'm standing for today. That's why I asked the question. I know it sounds really messed up. I really, I understand, like, are you grateful that you were raped? Are you grateful that you're molested? But 
the same with me. I can I can go through the the list of things, and I can honestly stick. I mean, this is what gratitude unfiltered is. It's how mm-hmm. it was born and what it was what it's all about. So I mean, yeah, I for me, I've gotten there because I've been able to get to this place of forgiveness, as you spoke yeah. about. And also in gratitude for those traumatic moments because God's using all of it. Mm-hmm. My whole career is born, my dreams, my passions in life, all of it. That trauma that happened was just the fuel for all of it. And now you know, it affect me. I can talk about all those things. So yep. I'm not trying to make light of anyone's trauma, but I'm just trying to show you here, this is very beautiful, amazing woman that can say, I mean, I'll let, I mean, I don't want to say it for you, but you know, that has gotten to this place where she can look at her trauma with gratitude because of now what she's doing with her life. And every one of you that's watching or listening right now has the same opportunity with all of your trauma. It, it, it's Kaylee's not special. She is extraordinary because she stepped into her purpose and she's special and, you know, she's extraordinary, right? But so are you. So am I. So are, yep. so is my audience in here. They're all extraordinary because God made you that way and God gave you an incredible purpose. And yeah, crap happens. Awful, evil things happen. But the good news is God can use all of it to do some really amazing, cool things with. And that is what you've done. When you mm-hmm. talk about Kaylee's Law, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So had I not been through this, I never would have been able to shed light on this. And I think that you can't, I say you can't, you can't live in that trauma. You can't, I refuse to continue to identify as a victim because I'm a fucking survivor. That's what I am. And because of that, You're a I am able <laughs> That too. More than a survivor. <laughs> I have been able to see something, not even one thing, this area that is so broken and be able to say, wait a minute, there's a problem here. And that doesn't mean that I don't hurt or struggle at times. That doesn't mean I don't have moments of weakness or sadness because I absolutely do. But sure. God has given me the strength to fight for Kaylee's law specifically. Um, so when I went to court, I I brought up that there's no protection that comes post probation and everybody thought I was crazy until they started looking at it. Oh, there is no probation or protection that comes after probation. Oh, and lifetime probation, mm, it's maybe 14 to 20 years. It's not a lifetime. So I emailed my local Senator in February of last year and then COVID happened and nothing else in the world mattered. And my story could have stopped there. Sure. It could have. I could have just let it go, but I didn't. And I will be honest, in October of last year, I was in a very dark place. Um, People were not meant to be locked up and shelter in place at home for, you know, ungodly amount of time. I have five kids. Kids are not meant to be locked in four walls. (laughs) I was in a dark, dark place. Sure. And I woke up one day, October 30th of last year. And that was the day. Today is the day I am changing my life. I cannot live like this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. 
And so I started the 75 hard program. I don't know how much you know about that. Andy Frisella. I've only what I've only seen your posts. Oh and gosh. I don't, that doesn't excite me at all to do. Oh, it's amazing. It is a, from the inside out change of your life. And it has been the, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Um, now I need to so Google I, what it is. Oh, absolutely. And you love for He's great. Um, one day he'll contact me and I'll share my story on his podcast <laughs> because it's crazy. The two, my 75 hard journey and Kaylee's law have gone hand in hand. Um, but oh, I started really 75 great. hard that day and I called my Senator's office until they answered the phone and scheduled me. I was not giving up and I got a hold of them. December 1st, I scheduled a meeting with her and her attorneys. And I said, listen, we need to change the law. Like there's no such thing as protection after probation is gone. And they're all questioning me thinking, no, she's wrong. And I was very much right. And so in January of 2021, we drafted a bill and the bill was um, to to hopefully become a new law that would provide victims and survivors of sexual and domestic abuse indefinite protection, regardless of the terms of the perpetrator's probation status. And so it went through um, both chambers, the Arizona House and the Arizona Senate with complete bipartisan support. Now let's all take a moment of silence for the <laughs> gratitude that we have that this issue had complete bipartisan support. I don't believe you. I'm just kidding. But that just goes to show you how important this issue is. Sexual abuse happens. If, 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 you, if you have not been directly impacted by it, you know somebody that has, or you have been indirectly impacted, period. It, it is common. I, I'm not one of those people that believe too. The impact lasts a lifetime. I don't care yep. how much healing you've done. It shapes you. It changes who you are. It it's it it changes your DNA. I, it's the only way I can explain it. And those of that have had it happen over and over and over and over again, like I'm, I'm I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, no, it's why it's so important what you've done, and I hope it goes national, like every, I mean, literally everywhere, global for that matter, because not enough. I, the damage that happens when you take a child's innocence and, and a child really 15 years old even is too young. Yeah. And, 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 and that, that, that the, taking that innocence in itself is an injustice, but there's consequences for the victim and they are a victim until they've gone through their healing journey, until they've gotten to a place where they can talk about it, where it can be used for good. They're a victim until then. Yeah. Whether it's a self-imposed victimhood or they, that's just what they are. It affects, it affects new relationships. It affects your parenting. It affects yep. all of that. So the consequences, like, again, I want you to keep on talking about the law and what you're doing because this matters. Like, this is not to be understated. This matters. Go ahead. Absolutely. And you know what? I... Like I said, I've had, I still have bad days and hard days. It is not easy putting myself and my story out there. I hope that it inspires others, but that doesn't mean it's not, it's hard. It's, it is hard for me. And 
I, I do get fearful at times and I, but then I think God wouldn't be doing that. Like God is, God has a protection over me. I know he does because he's brought me this far, but I found myself constantly going back to say, why are you doing this? What's your reason? And I would say, because I still matter because, because victims still matter because you still matter. And that is why I'm doing this because you still matter. And so, um, when, when I went and testified and, and I, I showed up for everything and if it was a 32nd, um, amendment or, um, vote to pass it through this committee, I was there at the Capitol because that's how important this was to me. Wow. I had surgery. I was going back for an emergency surgery from a complication at three 30 on my daughter's birthday in February. And my Senator texted me and said, Hey, the bill goes before this committee tomorrow. Can you be here in the morning? And I showed my surgeon. I was like, can I go? He goes, well, yeah, but you go and you go home. <laughs> and I went post-surgery to be in the <laughs> gallery because that's how important this is to me. It was important for me to show these legislators. And I have to, I do have to backtrack. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know who my senator was. I don't know how to get a law. I found, oh my gosh, I could probably pull it out. My fifth grade pamphlet of how to get a law passed. Like, I didn't know what, I had no clue. But I didn't use that as an excuse to stop me from pursuing this. And I showed up every single day to fight for this. And when I took my oldest daughter with me for one of the committee hearings, and it was so cool to see her there in the gallery watching this to be present with me. But um, <clears throat> I, <clears throat> oh gosh, excuse me. Um, I, I showed up and I didn't stop fighting for it. And I, I emailed every legislator individually um, in both the House and the Senate. And um, I just always spoke from my heart and shared the importance of this matter. So in um, April 20th um, of this year, like I said, I was on 75 hard program. I was in phase one, um, which is just phase of the program. And I was running on the treadmill and my Senator called me and she said, I'm calling to let you know that Governor DC signed your bill into law. And I screamed, I was like, oh my gosh, on the treadmill. Like, because I hadn't heard anything. But what was so important about that is what that meant now for victims and survivors of sexual and domestic abuse in Arizona is that they now have the indefinite continued protection that they deserve, regardless of the terms of the perpetrator's probation status. No one should ever have to do what I had to do last year. No one should ever have to go back and face their abuser to ask for protection. They should never have to do that. And that is why I did this because victims shouldn't have to do that. And because they still matter to me. And so that's what this law, it, it provides indefinite protection. And Are in you, June of, go ahead, go ahead. I would say in June of 2021, I was so honored. Um, the Arizona state Senate proclaimed SB 1412 is Kaylee's law. I'm already standing up. So, <laughs> um, so are you going to take this and try to make this a national law? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's funny because it just think it just, the train has not stopped and there's no stopping it now. Um, in July, Wisconsin, um, they drafted it. I flew back and they did a, um, oh my gosh, a live press conference. I had no idea we were doing that. She's like, oh, we're doing a live press conference. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, that was my first one ever. Because again, I'm just, 
I'm just a nobody. Like this is all new to me and, and I'm learning along the way. And, and there's, there's always room for growth and improvement. And I have a lot learning to learn. to be dangerous is what you're learning. <laughs> yeah. And so we, um, the law has been drafted in Wisconsin and I have eight other States that we have talked to personally. And, um, there's an organization, the Alec organization that we, in July, we also, um, did it, we announced the bill to be adopted by them. And then, um, I can't go too much into detail yet, but there's a pretty big meeting this week, um, for a federal law. So that's very exciting. Freaking awesome. Because All right. I, I say, I guess it hasn't been said yet, but this is not a law anywhere in the United States. There is no such thing as indefinite protection for victims and survivors of sexual and domestic abuse. Hmm. And that's crazy. Well, until now, because you've changed. Until now, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just amazing. Now, you formed a 501c4? Yes. Explain that real quick. So we launched a nonprofit to back our, our mission um, because this Kaylee's Law is what we're specifically focused on right now. But there are so many outdated, broken laws that absolutely need to be fixed. Um, and I'm actually working on three in Arizona right now, specifically, um, three more. And that's why we're doing this, Because You Still Matter. So we've launched an organization called Because You Still Matter Organization. And we're fighting for the enhancements of, of current laws and also creating new laws to better help empower victims along their journeys. Um, and so we had to go C4 because we're representing political things, wow. which is crazy. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Cause that's what was my next question. Like, how's that different? I wish I could change mine to a C4. Then I could say whatever I wanted to say. Anyway, mm -hmm. I feel like I kind of say that any, what I want to say anyway, <laughs> but Jessica reminds me that we're a 501C3 sometimes when I want to start specifically going after people um anyway yeah so i just I, i'm gonna explain I, mental illness or something that'd be fine i can't anyway. we can't operate under a c3 because that takes away all of our power to actively show up and fight and i'm not willing to to compromise and, and just so i can apply for extra grants i trust that god will provide in this he has thus far um mm -hmm. but i am the face of this i will continue to show up and I will continue to be a voice for myself and for victims everywhere. And these titles of these legislators, they don't intimidate me. Hmm. I understand that you're in a position of power, but that doesn't mean that I'm less than and that my rights are less than. I will show up and I will challenge you because victims still matter. They do. Wow. I'm, I'm really excited for you. Um, anything that we can do to help support you and your organization, um, I mean, even if it's, I don't know, we can talk about that off air, but um, <laughs> I love what you're doing, especially being a voice. Like we all, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not patting myself on the back here, but like being a voice for the voiceless, what you're doing, it's not an easy thing to do because it basically means you're taking a spotlight and say, look at all my junk too. Mm -hmm. You have to be that way. You yeah. can't, you can't shine a spotlight on other people's crap and and even claim okay this happened to me you can't do that without putting the spotlight on yourself and so that means now you've basically given the world permission to look into all your stuff yep. what you're about who you are poke at you come at you criticize you 
you've now volunteered and signed yourself up for all of that. And the bigger you get, the worse it's going to be. At the same time, God's got you all the way. And I believe in what you're doing. I love what you're doing. I love the fact that it's a woman doing it, (laughs) even though more men need to talk about their sexual abuse. I love it. I love it because here it is, this pretty blonde just decides that now she's going to go take on the government and take on her take on her abuser and and just kick all her asses i think it's amazing i it, it's a movie if anything so i kaylee I'm, I'm i'm a fan um you have our support anything we can do to support you of course you know we know john and love john and um but we just i don't know i think what you're doing is awesome and anything i can do to help support you you just let me know anytime but thank well, you I appreciate that. And I mean, just this exposure to this mission. And that's the thing is I've had to be very prayerful um, that, you know, I, I need God asking God to please place people that want to see this mission succeed. This is not about me. I'm just the vessel that's being used for this. This is a mission that I, I do need backing for. It's not a mission of solitude. This is so much bigger than me. Um, the solitude and, goes out after you sign the paperwork. <laughs> so... Yeah. And so I, I, I'm grateful for even just this conversation to let, if one person can walk away knowing that they have this protection, that's, that's huge. That's what we need right now. And we need to shed light on this and, and we need victims to know that they have this protection. They need to know they have it. Um, and you know, John, I'm so grateful for him, uh, and just connecting me with you and, it's funny because I didn't realize it, but like his tattoo company sponsored my first trip out there because I will tell you, my husband is paying for everything. My husband has done everything um, to, to provide for this organization because that's how much he believes in it. And we'll, it will get there. We'll get there. God will provide, but he believes in this mission and he's doing everything he can. So when, when the Kenosha tattoo company sponsored my first trip out to Wisconsin so I could be there to be present to announce that this law was being drafted in their state. That was incredible. And, and something so small was just so huge for, for me in this mission. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, and I, I know that there are big things coming. There are big meetings happening this week. Like I said, the train is rolling and I will not stop fighting for this until every state passes this law and until victims and survivors across our entire nation have this indefinite protection that they deserve because you still matter. Amen. <clears throat> what do you have a website up yet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's because you still matter.org. How did you get that name? That's, that's a good name. That's going to be one of those names. that's worth a lot of money too. <laughs> I can see the t-shirts. No. Well, because you know, when you go to GoDaddy and you buy your domains and, you look at them and then eventually the, the value goes up. Yeah. I get excited. It's like looking at your stocks. It's <laughs> website domains. Anyway, Kaylee, you're a champion. You're a hero. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, and uh, I'll be in touch. But God yeah, bless thank you. you. Keep it up. Keep it up. It's, it's inspiring. And just from the very first conversation we had to now, it's really you can see how you stepped into just owning this. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's not some, you're not all over the place. Like you're in it, you're present and you're ready for all of it. And I'm really, really excited for you. And, uh, we're, we're cheering and praying for you. So thank you. Thank you. All right. God bless you. See you soon.
Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Kaylee Kozak, everyone. Thank you guys so much for being here. No music today, uh, but God bless you. Thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing this out with your friends. And you guys go support her. If you're watching on the Libmana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network, um, the media kits that we publish, you'll find all of her information there. You'll be able to contact her directly, support her cause and what she's doing. She's truly being a voice for the voiceless and uh, your support. Uh, you guys go support her. I'm not going to even ask. Just go support her. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Bye-bye.